0: I'm kind of a little bit conflicted this morning. I felt in worship maybe a different direction than what I've kind of prepared. Um, well, well, don't get don't, don't get too crazy, friends. That that could be a complete train wreck. It could be a complete train wreck. I'm not gonna lie. But I, you know, I was we're 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 we're, we're getting into the family values of our church. Like we're, this is the series that we're um, in right now. We've been in there for like six weeks, just kind of getting into the core values of the church and who we are, the things that we wanna prioritize and pursue as a body. And um, this uh, third installment of a two-part, I guess installment of that series, I know it gets a little confusing, on people, I I was just um, kind of taken in worship today uh, about kind of the content that I've prepared and something that I felt like the Lord was speaking to me in the midst of worship. And I, I didn't really hear the audible voice of God, by any stretch of the imagination. But I, I, I suddenly felt as though the Lord was speaking to "How can you revive people if you yourself are not revived?" And that's really where we're going to go after today—not necessarily that particular direction, but it is quite perplexing to me to think about a church reaching out to a world that needs Jesus, but yet in. Similar ways, in many ways, the church needs Jesus as well. And we may not need salvation. You know, we have that. That's secure. That's for, that's, that's there. That's, nothing's changing that. But we do need reviving. You know, our hearts do need to be awakened. And I'm sure I'm not alone, you know, as I'm saying that. But I, but I think it's important to the mission that God has us on in these last couple of weeks, the topics that we're covering. Because uh, for the last several months, we've been trying to uh, turn the ship, so to speak, of this church to being more missional than anything else. Getting out there and doing the mission that Christ has set us on. And, and, and man, there is nothing more annoying when Christians just get on mission, but they're really, their hearts are not revived and awakened themselves. There's nothing more like... Uh, you know, offsetting and just you know, eerie about that. And, and so I don't know where you are, but man, uh, in this journey of your own heart being revived. But I, I feel like the Lord has a, a grace here in this place uh, to, to kind of touch our hearts. And that's what I'm gonna believe that's gonna come out of this series. Because the things that we're gonna cover are, are, are kind of like, they're, I, it's almost like sometimes I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. Like I know we know this, but how many know that there's a difference between knowing and knowing and like giving it in your gut right in, the, in, in your spirit, like like you could have a mental ascent to truth, like you can have an intellectual ascent to truth and totally miss some things that Jesus wants to provide and give to you uh, when you just totally just ascend mentally. Uh, I believe God wants to uh, get inside of our guts, so to speak, and, 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 and revive our spirits and that 's what i 'm going to believe today because there 's nothing more, you know, just weird than a church that's crying out, revival, revival, you need to be revived, but yet they're not revived themselves. For the last six weeks, we've been having a conversation detailing, again, the core values of who we are as a community of faith. Again, we've been trying to get into some of the values that we want to prioritize and pursue as a body. Three out of those six Sundays actually have been dedicated to the value of people, meaning we, we believe that Jesus valued people, therefore we want to do what Jesus did. You, know, uh, you, you see this all throughout the Gospels, you know, from the tax collectors right, to the prostitutes, right, uh, to the wealthy and poor, to the demoniacs and the religious. Jesus was all about the people, although it seemed to be the very case. Like there was endless stories of him just connecting with individuals, praying for individuals, ministering to individuals. We made um, Matthew uh, eight, the clump of verses that are about the leper who Jesus healed in that chapter. And we made some observation. We highlighted three kind of key ways in which Jesus, I think normally, naturally ministered to people in his day in that ancient time. We, we discovered that Jesus reached out to people, right? He reached out to people who culture and society rejected, and he restored certain qualities that society said were incurable, like leprosy, hello? I mean, that's no small thing. That's a pretty big disease at the time. And, and thirdly, this is where we're gonna land today. He, he revived people's faith in God. He revived people's faith in God. And, and that's exactly what we see in Matthew chapter eight happen, and we're gonna get into uh, the third, uh, revive, that, that, that word right there. We're gonna look at that in Matthew 8. Uh, now, make no mistake about it. I'm sure many of you are like, well, that's not really what this story is about. Yeah, I get it. Matthew 8 exists, right, to show us that Jesus stoops down and touches the ungodliness of our sin and brings healing and forgiveness. I understand that. But we also can zero in on certain qualities, certain uh, characteristics of the way in which he did that. I don't know about you, I want to model Jesus's life when it comes to reaching the world. So Jesus reaches out to the unreachable, he restores the irreparable, he revives the unrevivable. Now we discussed the reach and restore the last couple of Sundays and now we're going to take a look at the uh, revive portion of uh, these three characteristics. If you would, uh, turn your Bibles, if you have them, to Mark chapter 1. We're gonna read verses 40 through 45. Uh, Matthew chapter eight, Mark one, and I think Luke chapter five. Within those chapters, uh, each gospel author um, writes down the accounts that took place with this leopard. And some are different. There's, there's different little you know, things that Mark uh, picks up on that Luke doesn't know. There's certain things that Luke notes that Mark doesn't. And so I like this one because I think it really highlights something of a, of a genuine reaction to this healing that took place, and here it is in verse 40. it says, "And a leper came to him, Jesus is him, imploring him and kneeling, and said to him, "If you will, you will make me clean." Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, "I will be clean." And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he sent him away and he began to freely talk about it. So the leper essentially goes right against, you know, the grain of what Jesus tells him to do. And he just starts going uh, you know, spreading the news of his healing. It's interesting to me, and I don't want to get too uh, uh, like ahead of myself, but how could such a miracle be concealed? <laughs> like, that's just too much pressure, Jesus. Like, why are you asking me to be silent? It's an interesting question in light of the text, you know. Um, most of us here in this room, being of a charismatic bent would say, "Hey, this is an astounding miracle that just pl- took place. Let's get on Instagram live. right? Let's get our cell phones out and record this piece, right? Because we want to advance Jesus' minister- minister- mission, excuse me, in the earth. And of course, this would naturally be a layup in doing such. This would naturally uh, advance the the work of Christ in the world, right? And of course it does, and we'll read that in, in Luke. But I think it is interesting that Jesus sternly in Mark's gospel says, do not say anything to anybody. It seems as though in the gospels, the miracles that Jesus worked made his mission somewhat harder. And I, I think this is important for a community like us because, hey, listen, we are going after the kingdom of God. We, we believe that there's a greater expression of Christianity that, that exists in the earth that just, you know, calls people to join some kind of club, you know, uh, some kind of church. You know, we believe that there's a power available to do these very things that we see Jesus doing. And but yet, we need to be careful that we don 't get uh, like crazy with this and start thinking that these are the things that actually build the church now i, I don 't know i mean I, I, again i, I can 't get over the fact that Jesus told this man to be quiet, and I just can 't rationalize that and and, 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 and I'm, I, part of me is like, why? Why? Because I, I would be that guy. <laughs> like, I would be that guy breaking out my cell phone, you know, getting on Instagram, putting it out there. Come on, this is the greatest news ever. But Jesus, he, he says, be silent. Now, interestingly enough, um, if you turn to Luke chapter five, verse 15, now, hear me. There's some things to kind of reason and think and, and and find some logic about this, but um, but it almost. If you read Luke's account, you see that actually the spreading of this miracle intensified Jesus' visibility, according to Luke's gospel, as we talked about. But in a very specific manner, most scholars are kind of conflicted in saying, this leper just totally disobeyed Jesus. But, uh, and, 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 and the danger was is that people would follow Christ, not because of his message, but because of the miracles he was performing. But yet Luke takes another, he sees it a different way. in in Luke chapter five, verse 15, if you have your Bibles, I'm sure it will be there on the screen. But, But just this one verse, it says this, but now even more, after this man went and kind of spread the news of his healing, now even more, the report about him, Jesus went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear Jesus and to be healed of their infirmities. Now, now, the Greek word for report means logos, which means uh, the content of what is preached about Christ, or in other words, or better known as the gospel. So it seems like through this miracle... The gospel, or the, 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 the story, the message of Christ went for, forward. And, and, and it just didn't go forward in a small little town and, and whatnot. It, it spreaded rapidly. But interestingly enough, it wasn't just the miracle that was spreading. It was also the message. Now, you have to you know, kind of work your brain around the fact that God is sovereign, right? We believe that. Right? So th- to think that Jesus is saying, don't spread you know, this word out there, don't, don't go out, but go and, and do what the law requires, you, you'd have to think that in Jesus' mind, the sovereign Lamb of God, he already knows that this man is going to go and, and let the cat out of the hat, right? He's going to go! And, and, and it's almost like most scholars are taken by the fact that like, they just think this is unreasonable or un, unthinkable for this man to um, uh, disobey God, the Son. But I think Jesus has something in mind. Now, where am I going with this? The, the kingdom of God to me is not just a, a, a book of laws in in ethics and moral principles, you know, a code to follow, although it very much is, but it's not entirely. And I can't help but think the world kind of sees the church currently as just holding that position. And, and, And in my heart, and some things that were going off in my gut today as we were worshiping, is that, man, we need to reconnect, not just with the message of Christ, but, but the expression of his mission, yes, his mission, but the expression, that, that power that can reach into a dire situation, like leprosy. I remember, what was it? I don't even know how long ago now, maybe six years, my mother was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer. It was looking bad. And the family was kind of rattled naturally, right? She's kind of like, in my family, she's like the foundation of everything that exists in our world. Not so much with me, but my, my siblings for sure. <laughs> it's true, true story, I'm not lying. And, and it was looking dire. The doctor's report was looking dire. And she came in to, uh, about six years ago now, into a little worship service that we were having as a church. And suddenly, in the context of that service, God moved powerfully in her body, and she was healed of stage 3 cancer. See, this is the kind of Christianity we need to reimagine and grasp again. The kind of Christianity that we need to see is at our fingertips, that, is, that there's a power available for us. That, that our message is more than just a message, so to speak. But it's an expression of the power of Christ in the earth. Where people, where lepers or in my mom's case, cancer, is healed. See, I, I want to bring more than a, a message to the world. I, I'm not saying that I can totally heal up the broken you know, wounds and tragedy in people's life, but man, I know that we, the body of Christ, are connected to the source that can, and I know that this hurt and broken world is looking for that in the church. That's good. That's good. And my plea to you is: is your heart there too? And if it is, are you constantly throwing yourself into, uh, you know, the presence of God, saying, "Revive me," because it's going to be very hard for the church to revive, to first reach, and we can reach. We can do all our little good like ministry efforts, outreaches all day long. We can do that effortlessly. It takes nothing of God's spirit to do that. But when you start getting into the other categories of restore and revive, oh, we need to be leaning in, pressing in to a greater source, a greater power than what we can provide. And as as we move to being more missional as a body, as a community, what are we bringing? Food, clothes, you know, those are good, you know, awesome, we're gonna serve during Thanksgiving and Christmas and and, and do all these things, you know, just kind of meet the um, practical needs of people. Are we gonna lay hold of something in Christ that is very much available to us? Where we, like Maria, who we shared her story last Sunday, goes into Miracle Mile. Most likely, I don't wanna speak for her, but from what Andrew was telling me, she was very fearful. <laughs> and, and, and she didn't really know, like, how do I pray for people? How do I kind of bridge this gap between me and these unbelievers? And she, see this guy, and I'm probably gonna butcher some of the story. This man is probably strung out, maybe hung over, and he's got hands that are swollen. And a conversation starts, and she starts just praying for this man. And the, the, the swelling in his hands goes down. And the power of God starts entering. His, not just his, his soul and his mind, but his very body is being healed. Oh, come on. That deserves more claps than just... God, a man was healed. And not only was he healed, but he threw himself... Right into the church, right into being discipled at Line to Judah, right, right there, right. On, and that is, guys, that is the very power that we need as a body. We can't just go out into the street saying "turn or burn," you know, yeah, you know, like, like I don't know what the other like sentiments are out there, but that's the one that I, I do know. Like the, the big signs, "turn to burn," "turn or burn," you're going to hell, whatever. We, we need uh, an expression of God's power, and, and the thing about it, it's not. It's available. It's available. You know, uh, this is what happens when you know different things start going off in your heart during worship, and you want to take things in another direction. But man, I I I am really hoping and praying that our church can pick up the mission that Christ left us. We can do our part in this city. And I'm hoping that we do more than just bring turkeys, you know, and presents during the holidays. I'm hoping, I'm praying even for my own life and I hope you're doing it as well for yours. That you're asking God, put put your power on my life, God. I'll bring the cookies, I'll bring the turkey, you know, I'll, I'll bring the gifts, I'll do the church thing. But man, I want to, like this Maria, I want to go in and pray for the sick that they might be healed. And, and why not? If it's available, if if Christ said with his very words that we would do greater things. No, you, you, we, I understand we, we got to do some uh, theological calisthenics, you know, with that particular phrase. Because you think of the, the things that Jesus did and you're like, man, the church is barely scratching the surface. But no matter what calisthenics you do theologically, you can boil that down to simply God's power is available. Go, therefore, and walk in it. Wow. And I want to walk in that power, friend. It's not because I'm power hungry. Really, I, I, I'm one of probably the most insecure, self-absorbed people you will ever meet who is an introvert by nature. You're like, what? Yes, very true. But see, I see something in Christ that, that I, I feel compelled through the studying of scriptures to lay hold of. And I see a world needing that power, that expression of Christianity to bring more than turkeys and hot pies and, you know, all that is good. But man, I want to go to those events with power in my gut. I want to see at that miracle mile, greater things will he do through my life. Oh man, some of you, are, you, you just, it's not registering it's not registering why because you're just trying to get through the day in and day out (laughs) you know you most of you probably did all that you could do to muster up enough interest to come to church and here the preacher is saying man let's lay hold of the power of god and go after the world just seems like i can't relate friend right right who's there don't raise your hand maybe we need to get over the stigma of our own brokenness. And maybe once we get over that hurdle and start looking at the brokenness in the world, maybe Christ will come in with his power and help us with our own brokenness. Hey, I don't know. Hey guys, listen, by the way, I don't know for all those who are saved in this place, who follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, there is a grace. uh, a grace that abides, if you feel beaten down, if you feel like your week was pretty shoddy, you made some pretty you know, miserable decisions that really didn't reflect your Christian faith at all, listen, get over it. Because Jesus' blood is enough. It's enough. Stop letting the enemy beat you down with his accusations of you're not good enough. Look at what you did. You'll never overcome. You'll never find victory. Stop letting the devil beat you up. Listen. You've got to get that liar behind you. Because if he's constantly ahead of you and in your ears, you will do nothing for the cause of Christ. Nothing. Everything that I say today at this microphone will seem so And you couldn't relate to it at all. Friends, come on. There is something uh, more for us than just our struggle with pornography. There's something more available for us than our inability to reconcile in our relationships, especially with our marriage. There's something more at hand. And and I'll just say this. What that is for me is the grace of God, which is very sufficient. It's very sufficient. And maybe once we start walking in that grace that is available, we'll start thinking less about our own selves and our own, you know, brokenness. And we'll start to look and see the brokenness that exists outside of these four walls. And maybe by seeing that, we'll actually do something and start being moved and compelled to show up during those miracle miles, to show up when there's an event, to, to be Christ in the earth. Man, I, life is too short to let the enemy, the liar, keep you back from laying hold of what God has for you as a church. It's too short. You may get 100 years or so. You might. For me, it'll probably be far less. Praise God. I'm working on it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you hear what I'm saying though? Is any of this making sense? Yes. <sighs> so bad. I, I really feel that strongly just about the enemy being allowed to beat us up. Why, why is that? Why do we let him? Why do we put up with that adversary? Shut him up. Shut him up. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, it sounds good in theory. You know, if, if, if the devil can just keep you locked up and inactive, then he's won. It's not that even his accusations are true, right? Because, I mean, maybe there's some truth to it. You know, maybe you, you should get over that attitude. Maybe you shouldn't do that, you know, thing that you do. I get it, right? But repent and then walk in the grace of God and, and put that liar... And and, and this is why this is so important. Because you will never, and I want to say that, hopefully I say this correct. You will never see the victory that Christ wants to bring other people if you cannot see it for yourself, the victory he wants to bring you. That issue, whatever it is, that gnawing, you know, thing that sinful besetting bleh, will stare you dead at the eye, in the eye and keep you inactive and you will never ever believe that Christ has victories uh, for those out there if you yourself are a victim constantly to the enemy so we got to do business we got to put the enemy we got to shut his mouth man how does that happen pray Get God's word in you. The moment you feel like he's pounding you with his lies, pound Him back with the truth. Get that scripture, you know? Not when you just have to crack. What does 2 Timothy 1, 4 say? I don't know. Get it. Know it. Get it in your heart. That way when that liar comes in, you just quote it right back to him. The days are getting shorter, guys. It, it, you know, the, the time is getting shorter, I guess is what I want to say. And the need for the church to start being the church in the earth is so pressing. It, it's time. And before we, we can get to the things that God has for us, the mission that he has, we have to do an inner work. We have to put the devil to to rest. We had to beat him down with the truth of God's word so that we can move forward and see the same victory um, for others. You know, I'll be honest, in my own 20-something years of of following Jesus, um, this particular, I guess, way of life, you would, it, it so resonates with me. I spent a good part of my 20s Um, just letting the enemy lie to me, you know, and just letting those besetting things do exactly what they do, beset me, and and just totally make me inactive, you know, locked up in my room, insecure, not not saying anything, not doing anything for the kingdom of God. And it wasn't until I started battling that foe and putting that accuser uh, in his place, that I was actually able to make a turn and start seeing the problems that exist out there in the world more than just my own problems staring me at the face, at my face. And so I just wanna encourage you guys, as as we do this missional thing, as we prioritize and pursue people, as we pray like Maria, as we go and have these um, outreaches and these missional opportunities, first and foremost, man, Take advantage of them. Get to them. Join them. Be part of them. And then secondly, do the work needed to shepherd your own soul. Don't, don't let the enemy keep you isolated because of your besetting sins. Don't let him accuse you and say, God can never use you. Man, God has used worse. Trust me. I, you got a couple of minutes? I'll give you my testimony. Good Lord. The fact that I'm standing before you right now preaching God's word is a miracle of it itself, but it's also a testimony to the grace of God. So God's able to use anyone. Stand to your feet. God, I don't know why you do what you do. It would have been better if I just lost myself in my notes and just read what I had prepared. But God, I trust you. I, I, I trust you that even now your spirit's at work. And Lord, you'll use my foolishness to maybe bring some freedom to your people. So Lord, we ask for just that. We ask for some freedom. We, we, been letting the enemy lie to us and beat us up God we've been letting that accuse or keep us from the greater things of which God has called us to in Christ Jesus and, and now we're just asking for a, a bit of touch of heaven, a, a touch of grace Lord for you now to turn against our foe shut him up God silence his words from our ears so that all we hear Go, therefore, and make disciples. <laughs> God, put those words in our ears. Go, therefore, to the coffee shop. Go, therefore, to the college dorm rooms. Go, therefore, to the workplaces, the corners, the highways and byways. Go, therefore, and bring my message of grace my message of salvation, bring my power to heal the sick to deliver the demonly possessed, God oh, Father, we ask for such time of glory and grace, revival to rest upon our church, Jesus Christ. give us that power, God, we're not power hungry God, we just don't want to do things in our own strength, we don't want to do yeah. things in our own strength, God, we want to do strength in the strength of the Lord and the power of His grace. So God, come upon us with that power now in Jesus' mighty name. Every eye closed. Come on, ask for yourself. Say, God, put power on my life. Come on. In faith, God, put the power of God on my life. Come on, let's pray. Come on. Put power, repeat it, repeat it. Come on. Say it differently. God, anoint my life power of my life. Grace me God. Grace me. Let favor and power rest. Come on, come on. Oh Jesus. Come on, look at this. Come on. The power of my life for my marriage.